Hey everyone, welcome to Needlepoint Scoop, a Needlepoint podcast. I'm your host, Mary Catherine, and we talk about all things Needlepoint here. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening. Um, I'll tell you, this is an audio only episode. So if you cannot find a video, it's because it doesn't exist. It's not there. So this is an audio only episode and I owe you two episodes. There was no episode last week, but um, I'm going to record this one and I'm going to record another one for you. So there'll be, we'll catch up two episodes this week. Hopefully um, we'll have one every Wednesday is the goal, but sometimes that doesn't happen. So we kind of pivot and make do. Um, so you're going to get two this week and um, I'll tell you, we have some really exciting guests coming up and I can't wait to announce those once we find some official times to record but I'm looking forward to sharing those conversations with you because I know that they're going to be great. Um, This episode, I want to respond to some questions that you all have asked, and I think they're great. And because you have these questions, I'm sure that there are other people who have them too. Um, And I'm happy to share my thoughts on these two things. Okay, let's just jump right into this. So the first question is from a self-taught stitcher. And she has friends who want to learn. And she wants to know how can she get them started? How can she teach them how to needlepoint? Um, I love this question. I think it's so great that there's so many people who are interested in needlepoint And you all are sharing your love of this hobby with your friends. I think what I would say to you, if you are looking to teach your friends or your friends want to learn, if you've you've taught yourself, um, I would say go back and think about the ways that you learned. So how did you teach yourself? Did you use a book? Did you watch YouTube videos? So I I guess I would say, think of how you learned and use that to teach. So if you watched a YouTube video, then maybe pull that same YouTube video up or another YouTube video that you like um, or instructional video, wherever you get instructional videos. Um, Pull that video up and watch it with your friends. That's, I think that's totally acceptable. And I think that's, um, a great way to, um, show, show someone how to stitch and you can obviously pause and stop and start. And, um, I think that's great. So I think use videos that are out there. And, um, if you used from a book, I would use the, the, the same book or cards or however you learned, I would use that same way to teach. Um, I would tell you that teaching somebody to needlepoint, I think is intimidating to some folks. And I think that they sometimes think that there's a secret is we all know that that those of us who do stitch needlepoint is easy. It's not hard to do. But there is a learning curve. And I think that's one of the things that maybe we don't talk about a lot. 
I find myself saying all the time, like, this is easy, this is easy, this is easy. And it is. And then when someone sits down and they try to start stitching and then they realize that they don't get it right off the bat or they make some mistakes, they can't really see what their, you know, the, the next stitches or they, they get confused or they mess up, that they get really frustrated and they think that it's hard because we've said that it is easy. And I think that, you know, we live, I think particularly women, I, I can't speak for men, but I think that we are so, we, we don't want to mess up. Right. And I think that needlepoint attracts two types of people, either folks that like myself, that are perfectionist and could be a little anal and really picky and um, a little neurotic about things. Um, and it has to, everything has to be just so. And then I think that their needlepoint also attracts the, the, the free spirited, free thinking, um, very relaxed artist that um, feels very comfortable and uh, taking risks and just trying new things and doesn't have a problem if they mess up and they can just try new things and try new stitches and they're just super um, easygoing and easy peasy. And I think those of us who are more of a perfectionist, I, I'll tell you my local needlepoint shop, um, the owner, KT, we both, she says this very lovingly. She says, you know, um, needlepoint is an OCD sport. And I, that I know exactly the reason that that always comes up is when I'm in there doing, you know, OCD things, right. You know, looking for something or whatever, that's, we can see our neuroses and, um, you know, quirks that come along with our needlepoint. Um, so all this to say, I do think that we can be really hard on ourselves and we want to be perfect right out of the bat. We don't want to miss a stitch. We don't want to mess up. And we think that if we're not perfect right out of the gate, it's not for us or we can't do it. You know, we compare ourselves, our stitching to other people's stitchers. You know, I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many people I have heard when I've taught them how to stitch, they will say something like, you know, my stitching doesn't look like it. Well, mine does. I will say, you're doing it great. That's it. And they'll say, you know, but it doesn't look like yours. And it's like, well, I've been stitching a lot. Yours isn't supposed to look like mine. Um, I mean, it's a supposed to look like mine, but because you know what I'm saying? I mean, right. It needs to be the right stitch, but a beginner, my first canvas that I stitched does not look like the canvases I look, I stitched today. Right. Um, and that's fine. And I still love it. I'm actually looking at it right now. I, it doesn't have to be perfect. I'm equally as proud of that as I am other things. And no one knows the difference. I mean, nobody would know. Nobody would see the things that I see um, in that little pansy right there hanging on my door. Um, so there is a learning curve. And I think part of it is 
just encouraging the person that you're teaching to know that they are going to mess up. They're going to miss some stitches. They're going to get confused. They're going to get off, you know, get stitched the wrong way. They're going to get with the things happen. Okay. And that's just part of it. And you just have to be patient with yourself. And, um, that's sometimes really hard, I think, but it's totally worth it. And I think that's a lesson for us in life that we don't have to be perfect and things take practice to be, um, yeah, things take, it it takes practice, you know, nobody just starts needle pointing and, you know, their first right off the bat, you know, they, they, it's perfect, you know, nobody's expecting that and you shouldn't expect that to yourself. So I would say as someone who is teaching someone else how to stitch, I think that's really important just to let them know, encourage them and encourage them to stick with it and try to relax and enjoy it and know set. I think sometimes we set them up by saying it's so easy. It's so easy. Oh my gosh, you could do this. Anybody could do this. You know, a child could do it. That is all true. But I do think just letting them know um, when they're starting out, like I did that too, um, lower the expectations a little bit and um, make it fun. I think that's the most important thing is making it fun for the person that you're teaching. And in terms of like 13, 18, I think that's everybody has different opinions on that. I think it works whatever works for you. Um, yeah, the 13 count has bigger, it's a bigger grid, so it's easier to see. Um, but I sometimes think that when people learn on 13, um, they're then intimidated by 18. And I, I would say most needlepoint canvases out there in the collection of the world are, are 18. I think, I think if you don't feel comfortable, I mean, obviously you do you, but I think if you just limit yourself to 13, I think you're missing out on a lot of, um, really great designs. Obviously if you need 13 for, for whatever reason or to see whatever, I mean, obviously, like I said, you do you, but don't be afraid of 18. Um, yeah, I also think another sort of tip I would say is I do think where you teach somebody how to stitch makes a difference, particularly in terms of lighting, because I will say you can't stitch what you can't see. So if they can't see it, it's going to be really hard. So maybe you know, they need readers or they need an extra light. And I, I find that oftentimes the reason that people are struggling is not because they don't get it. It's because they can't see. And that's really important. So I would say be aware of those things. Um, when you're trying to teach someone how to stitch, but I would say, relax, be confident and you, you can do it.
people have been teaching, women have been teaching other women, men have been teaching. I mean, we all have been teaching other people how to stitch um, for centuries. So you can do it. You can do it. If you can stitch, you can teach somebody how to stitch and try different ways. One of the other things I would say is try, you know, different ways to, to say it, you know, use, try to use different, um, verbiage that sometimes will help make things click, but you can totally do it. Just do it. That's the most important thing. Teach them, teach them how to stitch, but rely on other free resources out there um, that can help you. All right. I love that. If you're a self-taught stitch, best way to pick stitches when you are starting a canvas without a stitch guide, best way to stitch, pick stitches when you are starting out with a stitch guide. Well, I think, you know, one thing to remember is you, you don't have to have a stitch guide and you don't have to choose stitches. I think one of the things to remember is you can always basket weave for continental stitch or tent stitch an entire project. And it will be beautiful. I think some of the most beautiful pieces I have seen is just basket weave. Now, certainly it's not a secret. I love basket weave. I like the simplicity of it. I like, I like stitching in basket weave because I don't have to pay attention. I don't have to count. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to think too hard. I don't have to use stretcher bars or a laying tool or, um, you know, stand or two hands. I can, for me right now in my life, where I am in my life and what needlepoint offers me, um, in terms of relaxation, I, my brain works hard in other parts of my day. i really don't want to think, um, when I need a point. So I don't want to think about stitches. I just want to stitch. And so that's an option. You don't have to have a stitch guide, basket weave it, and it will be beautiful. That being said, I know that a lot of people do like stitch guides. So if you want, I mean, that's, yes, I know people like stitch guides, but your question. So that's one thing. That's a reminder to, to respond to your question. But if you want to pick stitches, which I think you do, obviously, since that's what you've asked, um, what's the best way to pick stitches when you are starting a canvas without a stitch guide? Well, I think there are a few, I have a few options. One is you can ask other people. I think that is one of the things that I see most often in my stitch club. We ask other people what they suggest and that's really fun. So very often we'll, we have a little group, um, a group chat, you know, someone will just to take a picture of their canvas and say, what would you do? What would be a good stitch for this tree or this, um, whatever this flower, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, um, everybody is, you know, so 
great to chime in and give them some ideas. So I would say ask. And if you don't have a stitch club, I think that social media, um, there's a lot of things yucky about social media, but obviously I think social media is a great way to connect with other needle pointers in this way. So I bet if you posted a picture of a canvas or a particular part of a canvas that you wanted some decorative stitches for, you would get lots of really great suggestions. And I, th I think some of them would be similar. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't think if all of them, you, you may have one, more than one um, suggestion for a part of a canvas. But I think a lot of times people are going to be like, yeah, that's great. That's what I see, right? Someone says, I think this would be good for the snow. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 that's a good one. That's a good one. Or this, you know. So I think you will have, um, they will help you narrow it down. Meaning not that they're just going to, I don't think you're going to have 50 different suggestions. I think you're going to have a handful that can really help you narrow it down. So I would say ask friends and engage with others on social media. Maybe you can look around and see if anyone else has stitched that exact canvas and see what they have done. Um, I, there are also people who would be happy to write a stitch guide for you. So I know Stephanie Chase, um, her Instagram, her website and Insta, her her business is called the Joy of Needlepoint, and she's a needlepoint educator, and she writes stitch guides, and she will individually, you know, she writes stitch guides for designers, but she also will write a stitch guide for you. So if you just have a canvas, any canvas by any designer, and you want a stitch guide, she will, um, for I think a very uh, you know, a very fair, um, and great fee. She will, you can hire her to, um, sit, pick stitches for you and, um, she can pick stitches and she can also pick threads for you if that's something that you want. So you can also check out Stephanie Chase at the Joy of Needlepoint. And I know that there are other people who do this as well. So, um, I just mentioned Stephanie because she's local to me and in my stitch club, but there may be, um, I'm sure there are other people out there who, um, write stitch guides for individuals. I know that other folks write stitch guides for, um, designers, but there, I'm sure other folks out there that will write a stitch guide for, for individuals, for personal, um, stitch projects. Um, and I would say the other thing that you can do is you can just do a, a simple Google search. If you Google um, best needlepoint stitches for snow, you're going to get a you're going to get several reputable, valuable uh, websites that will give you some good suggestions. Um, particularly so, so for snow or for beards or sky or sand or fur or grass or hair, um, 
you know, things like that that are very for one particular area or background was a good decorative background stitch. Um, but if you're really, you can Google that. Um, and there's great information there. But if you're really looking for something, you know, an entire, someone to really help you, um, you know, lay out an entire stitch, stitch guide with the foreground and the background that's incredibly thoughtful and thought out and you want to do a lot of different decorative stitches with beads or whatever, you know, I think you can get as fancy as you want, or you can get as simple as you want. Um, but I hope that's, I'm sure there are other great options. Um, but those are the ones that come to my mind right off the bat. Yeah. So that's, I hope those are some helpful ideas on how to pick stitches when you're starting a canvas without a stitch guide. Um, and speaking of stitch guide, I am excited because tomorrow, which is, well, no, it's today. I'm sorry. Okay. This is so wonky because I'm not recording. I'm recording this on Tuesday, February 6th, but you're not listening to this until Wednesday, February 7th. So today, today, um, I have the great opportunity to introduce you to two new designs that are not my designs. They are two designs from GG Designs, the letter G and the letter G, the initial GG Designs. And these are two beautiful flowers. They're rounds. They're four inch rounds on 18 count. Um, the Gigi Designs is an artist and a prolific needle pointer. She's local and she helps me so much in my work and my business and my design process. Um, she's a integral. I couldn't do, I could not have, uh, she's an important team member on, uh, for MKND, Mary Catherine Needlepoint Designs. I could not do what I do without her. Her name is Garnet. Rogers Garnet, like the stone, like the color Garnet, two T's, Garnet Rogers, and Garnet has two beautiful flowers. Um, one is a Christmas rose, and I can't right now think of what the name of the real, I'm going to look it up, what the name of a flower is. It's called a Christmas rose. Um, and she has a Christmas rose. And she has a columbine flower. Um, these designs, um, oh, it's called, I can't even pronounce this. It's a Helleborus. No, there has to be another name. Come on, it can't be. We don't need the like, oh my gosh, a Hellebore. Uh, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. It's a, it's a, but a Hella. H-E-L-L-E-B-O-R-E. -E -E. I know those of you who know B-O-R-E are like saying it out loud and I'm making you cringe because I don't know how to say this. Um, but yeah. Okay. So anyway, we're going to find out. I'm oh, or it's called a Linton rose or Christmas rose. Linton rose or Christmas rose. Okay. The botanical name is Hellebore. Hellebore. That's it's what it is. Okay, I just Google Hellebore. 
Okay. It's called a Lenten rose or Christmas rose and it's beautiful. And, um, that's so funny. Hellebore and she Lenten rose. There's a great, um, you can find out why it's called a Christmas rose or a Lenten rose. There's a lot of folklore about that name, but it's a beautiful flower. And then she has, um, a Columbine and, um, that's another flower that, yeah, is, is beautiful. And, um, yeah, it's a perennial and, um, yeah. So Columbine and a hellebore, I think that's what I said, Christmas rose or linen rose. Anyway, all of this to say, these are gorgeous, excuse me, and my like genus and species or whatever. I'm not a horticulturalist horticulturalist. I can't even talk. This is crazy. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, I was saying these are incredible designs that Garnet GG Designs has designed for you all. But most importantly, um, well, I don't know if it's most importantly. One of the things that's special and that I'm bringing it up is because she has done gorgeous stitch guides. She has stitched these and she has an absolute fabulous stitch guide. One of the beautiful, most beautiful stitch guides I've seen, um, that come with the canvas. So she has, we have the designs, we have them kitted, and then we have the stitch guide. So, um, I'm excited to be able to introduce her designs to you. And to those of you who enjoy and appreciate a stitch guide, um, you will be able to find those in Gigi Designs in her um, two new beautiful flowers that she has out and um, in our online shop today. So check out, you can go to needlepointscoop.com and you can go to shop in Gigi Designs and check out those. So exciting. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. I appreciate you and thank you so much for listening and, um, send me some more questions. I love, um, connecting with you in this way. And like I said, if you'd like this episode, I hope you share it with your friends. We're trying to grow the needlepoint scoop community. So thank you so much and see you next time.